Welcome back, Chicago, to the final installment of our E3 2016 recap coverage. This episode, as with all of our E3 coverage, has been brought to you by Drobo. Now, you may think that the external hard drive sitting on your desk, in your backpack, whatever, that that is good enough, that that is okay. But I know, if you search your heart of hearts, that there is not quite enough space on it, there are not quite enough features of it, it just does not quite feel like the elite level product that you need for your storage needs, whether we're talking about your photos, your media library, what have you, videos of your streams, you name it. Go to Drobo.com, learn about the array of different Drobo products, find the right fit for you, and support the show by going to DroboStore.com and using the offer code SOM100 to save $100 off your choice of Drobo 5N, 5D, Mini, or any 8 or 12 bay model. In this final E3 2016 recap episode, we've got Cicero Holmes talking to Jason Coleman from the Drop Zone team, as well as Senior Vice President of Communication for the Entertainment Software Association, Mr. Rich Taylor about the past, present, and very much the future of E3 itself. I'm Moises Chuyan, and without further ado, here's the man who just wouldn't stop talking to people, Cicero Holmes. Hey, Procalgo, this is Cicero over uh, Spawn on Me. We are upstairs uh, with GameForge. Uh, Sparky Pants is, uh, is the name of the development house. Jason Coleman is the man. Who is bringing us Drop Zone? I just got to play. Uh, Drop Zone was a hell of a lot of fun. I got my ass kicked. Um, I was pretty terrible. Caesus was destroyed. Um, but uh, Jason's game is amazing. Jason, why don't you say hi to the people? How you doing? Hello, people. And I gotta say, it's not my game. It's our team, which right. is amazing. So uh, <laughs> definitely not me. <laughs> right. So uh, tell tell Bercago about Drop Zone. What what is Drop Zone? So Drop Zone is our attempt to make an RTS-style game um, that we would play in this modern age. Because right. we, we're big RTS fans and we kind of stopped playing them. Yes. Um, so uh, there's, a bunch of, there's a bunch of theory about what we were trying to do. But essentially, in Drop Zone, uh, we wanted a quick-paced game that was fast from the very beginning. Um, that lasts in a time limit we could fit into our schedule. Yes. Um, and that was allowed a lot of replayability in terms of configuration. Right. So. I can describe kind of the basic set. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess the first part is um, a lot of us, myself included, are older. Yep. You know, we've got families. We've got other responsibilities. Uh, Drop Zone is perfect for that because each match only lasts 15 minutes long. I routinely, uh, at home, I want to get in a match, and I can say I'm going to fit in a match before dinner. Right. And I'm not lying. Like, nice. I get it in. Yes. Maybe I'm three minutes late, but I'm not uh, right, right. dragging right. out, and I can't right. stop. Right. So right. it happens right. all the time. Yeah, your food is not cold. It, it is cold. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's, I guess, uh, RTS, everyone understands that. They, they understand the, the mode of RTS. Um, I think that there are some MOBA elements in, in this game as well. Um, I think... You know, part of the time the time frame is is definitely MOBA esque because they're always trying to get a lot of games in. Um, what what did you what did you learn from MOBAs to to help you guys make Drop Zone? So the biggest is probably the positional play. So okay. we sort of said, well, MOBAs have this positional play within the teams, but they're doing it as individuals. Right. Um, so what's it like for a player to do that? So you have the you have your three sort of heroes. We call them pilots. Um, but the game is really about how do you position those properly in combat? How right. do you split them apart when you need to? Um, another big thing was um, sort of 
having something that felt really reactive. So, I mean, we built a custom engine for this game because we wanted to be competitive with, there's nothing but the latency of the internet that you're going to feel. Right. And so that was a really big deal, and that's right. something that MOBA players are really accustomed to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, you talked about the pilots really quickly. Um, one of the things that I really noticed right away was the diversity of the characters. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, there wasn't, uh, there may be one, but I didn't see, like, standard uh, Master Chief white dude. Um, yeah. You know, uh, was that was that a conscious effort on your part? Uh, uh, on, on the team's part? It's, it's definitely a goal, like, overall, for us to be a, a diverse game and, and actually a diverse company, even though, you know, it, it'll take us a while to get there. Sure. It's tough in the industry, but... Um, you know, you start out and you sort of get all your team together that's all people that you've worked with before. Right. And if you do that, it's going to be a bunch of white dudes. And But over time, can we kind of reflect the demographics in which we're living? And we're in Baltimore City. Oh, okay. So um, it's important to us that even if it takes us 10, 15 years, right. eventually that's reflective. And I think it does. The game really benefits from it. Yes. Um, that, you know, you look at it and there's just, I mean, it's just fun to see diverse stuff. Yes. And not to see kind of stereotypes. And right so that's on. cool. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Uh, the the game itself uh, is fast paced, but but not overwhelming to the point where it's frustrating. Um, I think one of the reasons that for that is you guys deciding you'll have three characters to to use at any given time. Um, what what was the process in terms of making that decision and and finding the Goldilocks zone with three? Well, we tried four, we tried five, uh, right. we tried two. Uh, so one of the problems with two is there's actually, when you're making choices about who you're taking in, it's it feels kind of obvious. Right. There's no kind of like, oh, I really want to take that one. It's kind of like, oh, I need like high DPS or I need this. Right. Um, and four felt like it was just too much. Mm -hmm. um, so we did two things. One is, well, three things. Uh, we <laughs> chose the three uh, just, right. just by experimentation. Um, and the other is a little bit the speed of the game. Although we keep speeding it up a little more every now and then, um, essentially we chose a pace that was doable for players. And then we added gear that allows you to speed up the game as your skills improve. So when high skill players play it, they're doing lots of dashes, they're doing jumps with the tank. So the game just moves faster. Right. And okay. it gets faster and faster as, as, the, as the abilities of the players improve. Right. So. Uh, you know, silly me, because I'm a dummy, um, I didn't even really talk about the game itself. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it is an RTS, um, it is 15 minutes, but, but you know, like the... There is what do you do in that fifteen minutes is is really really kind of uh, important, yeah. um, and and the game is almost like a sports game. You know there is a there's a ball and a, and kind of a hoop or a goal. Uh, Explain how the game is played, I guess. Well, our code, we called it sports ball when we first started <laughs> playing the game, uh, our first prototypes. And so, yeah, so um, you got your, your three pilots, you're going around, you're killing these hives, uh, which is kind of these alien bases. Um, they poot out a core, which is, you think of it as the ball. Right. Uh, you pick it up with your heroes, you take it to the center of the map to an uplink, which is kind of like the goal or the hoop. Mm -hmm. um, if you right click on that, you'll get a channel ability for 10 seconds. Um, if you if you're successful, the core goes away and you score a point. Um, and so that's the basic way to score in the game. And yeah. there's there's some secondary ways to score, right. but that's based on the basic mechanics. And whoever has the most points at the end of 15 minutes wins. Yep. yep. And what happens if it's a tie? Goes to sudden death overtime, and the first one to score a point wins. There, All right. there are no ties in drop zone. Sudden death. Yep. Nice. So I'm gonna go out there. 
I'm gonna play against uh, my opponent. It's one versus one v one. One v one. One v one. I'm gonna play against my opponent. I'm gonna see their pilots, and I'm just gonna destroy their rigs and score all the points. You are, although we do something that's counterintuitive, which we give you no experience for killing the other players' rigs. Ah, um, and okay. we do that because we don't want the game to snowball. Right. Um, you're already taking them off the field. It's kind of like a penalty in hockey. Right. Um, so we, the game's going to end in 15 minutes, so we don't need it to snowball, and we want right. it to be tight. Right. Um, so, but there are lots of incentive. People, you know, when people stop killing each other's rigs, we'll worry about it. But that's never happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> they keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because there is only one central location yep. where where everyone can score. Yep. Um, eventually, you're going to wind up you're going to wind up fighting each other anyway. Uh, and uh, as you're fighting and you're you're fighting the aliens, you're gaining XP. Yep. You can automatically you 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 can select your rigs to. Uh, the, for the different pilots and upgrade those those pilots in the, during the match. Yep. So um, yeah, as you're as you're getting experience, which is kind of the economy of the game, right. that levels it when you can level up because you filled the level up bar. You choose which of your pilots to level up, and that's going to unlock the abilities that you've configured with your gear before the match. Wow, that's awesome. Now, uh, one of the things that that you guys were talking about is that you internally you guys play the game every day. Absolutely, and then you well, more than once, but as a group, right. we do every day, yeah. um, and uh, you have daily iterations yep. uh, for the game. So you guys go back and you play test it, and and you go and you have releases for the game every single day. How difficult is that? Um, and I guess thank you because I can see how much, presumably that that's helped progress drop zone to the to the point where I was able to play it and lose really badly. <laughs> well, well, uh, we call it the daily game, and it's a big part of our development. Okay. So I think it, maybe it's almost unique in the industry, but we do um, two people play the game every day, and the entire studio watches the game every single day. Nice. Um, and it's a little bit of a rich get richer because, because we do that, stability is really important. So it becomes easier and easier for us to maintain the game. Right. Um, so people do lots of changes, um, and we get new builds every day. And it's very rare that it's not ready to play. Um, and that just makes everything better. And it's more fun, too. It's right. never fun once the game's broken and no one's playing it. And right. so it's just can we keep that momentum is a big thing. Nice. Now, speaking of uh, fun and being ready to play, uh, when is Bricago and the rest of the world going to have a chance to play Drop Zone? Uh, well, I think you next week, but uh, yeah. we're, we're in friends and family now, um, so we're, we're giving out some codes for that. And we're okay. basically trying to expand the development into the community so we can learn a lot. Sure. Um, the goal is for open beta by the end of the year. Okay. But, you know, it's really got to be based upon have we learned enough, are we right. ready. And, right. So. Okay. Well, uh, Bacargo, I can tell you guys this much. Um, if you've ever played an RTS before, uh, you'll you'll really love this game. If you've never played an RTS before, you can drop in for 15 minutes. You can spare 15 minutes and just check it out, and you will be hooked. Uh, the game looks beautiful. It's easy to play, difficult to master. I know that's a back-of-the-box <laughs> quote that everyone uses. Um, it definitely fits here. Um, it is It is really, really great. Uh, we're, I guess you're going to be looking to release it on Steam. Uh, uh, that's unclear. But oh, okay. We'll see, so. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, we will report definitely. Uh, Khalif and I and Sharif will will definitely report on our experiences with Drop Zone as we go further. Um, but if other people want to know about Drop Zone, where can they go? So uh, 
PlayDropZone.com. PlayDropZone.com. Register for uh, the newsletter, and also that'll get you sort of towards the head of the line for uh, when we're opening it up. Right on, right on. Uh, Jason, uh, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Coleman, this is Sparky Pants. Uh, next time we're in Maryland, let's get some crabs. That would be fantastic. All right, all right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Chicago, here we are, day three of E3 2016. And uh, the last interview for E3 is the very best. We save the best for last. Um, with me today is the head honcho of, of E3. Um, all the good, all the bad, all the indifferent um, was basically overseen by the gentleman that we have here today. Um, and, and it makes me so proud to say that, that he could look like he's a part of my family. Uh, it's Mr. Rich Taylor. Rich, why don't you uh, say hello to the people and, and tell them exactly who you are, what the head honcho uh, means. I don't even know what that even means. Greetings, <laughs> greetings, greetings. Uh, it's so good to be talking with you today. And I'm glad you're here at the show. I'm glad we're getting to spend some time together. So, yes, yeah, so I'm Rich Taylor. My title is Senior Vice President of Communications Industry Affairs at the Entertainment Software Association, or ESA, as people usually call it. Uh, ESA represents the computer and video game industry uh, in the United States, and uh, as part of what we do, uh, we put on this little party called E3. And as part of what I do is I'm responsible for overseeing uh, the start, finish, middle of, uh, of the creation of E3. So it's a... Uh, it's a humbling but really fun uh, piece of work that I have, and it's you know this is a show that I used to sneak into uh, in my younger days, <laughs> and now I'm sitting here you know look overlooking the floor, and it's pretty pretty outstanding to to, to be a part of it. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of my role in in this show, and then we just make sure once it's once you push it off the top of that roller coaster, it get, takes off on Tuesday, and it'll stop in a couple hours here, and uh, and that's when we just all sort of sit down and, and just sit in quiet ride. <laughs> so, uh, you know, before we get into who you sure. are, uh -huh. I, I want to say a, a quick shout out to Danny Pena of the Gamertag Radio crew, uh, because they interviewed you, uh, Danny interviewed you uh, of maybe a, a month or so, probably around GDC. Yeah, it was during GDC. And, uh, and you know, I, I had no idea who you were yeah. and had no idea that, that you were, you know, a person of color. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it was just like I was really excited. Um, why don't Why don't you tell everyone where you're from, and you know, kind of, Ooh. kind of who you are, and what makes you dope? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember talking to Danny. I was in the middle of uh, uh, moving from one place to another, and I ended up being sent to him in a park in San Francisco <laughs> with like a juggler on one side of me and a couple doing something on the other side. Right, right. Hey, I'm just trying to concentrate. So I remember that interview very well. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I've been uh, born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, uh, fortunate enough, I came to Washington right after college and uh, thought I was going to stay there a couple years, and that's been now longer than I ever want to say. Right. Uh, but I worked on Capitol Hill for a while. Okay. Um, I wore, I remember Congress. I worked uh, um in a PR agency after that for a bit, and then uh, really sort of my real formative sort of career track year started when I worked for the Motion Picture Association of America, right, okay. uh, again out of Washington, D.C., representing the United States film industry and do, running all their sort of communications and being a spokesperson for the industry. And I worked with a guy named Jack Valenti, who's a bit of a legend yeah. in both Washington and beyond, and he mm -hmm. was a mentor and a real true friend to me, and he helped, uh, helped grow me as a 
as a young man and a professional in many ways. So I feel very fortunate for that. And he retired, and um, this is you know a dozen or so years ago now. He to say it, and I hung around for another year or two, but it just wasn't the same without that fine gentleman as my my mentor and leader there. So I moved on, and and I was going to set up my own little shop. Mm-hmm. I thought doing just uh, actually I was going to do some. Uh, multicultural public relations work with a couple of the friends and it was close to starting and then I got this call from a headhunter about this job representing video games I said no three times the third no, no twice and the third time I said no they said, you have to at least come talk have one interview and then see so I said okay and I'm a gamer let's remember that let's go okay. rewind way back and and this will date me, but one of my greatest birthdays was getting the Magnavox Odyssey. Odyssey, all right. I, I would go to this one store that had Odyssey, and I would just make my parents pull up in the parking lot. So I started going and stare at it for 10 <laughs> minutes and come back out. And then one birthday, they surprised me with a, with a weird little black and white TV and a, and a Magnavox Odyssey. And that, oh. since then, gamer. Oh, um, so the idea of doing what I apparently am I'm doing for a living and doing it in the world of video games is too good to resist. And uh, and I've been here now for eight nine years, and uh, it's been a great ride. I've been just very fortunate, very feel very blessed to be able to be in an industry that is is means something to me and is just fun as well. Sounds like it was kismet. I mean, really, that's, was. that's that's really that's all it was. It was uh, it was meant to be. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about E three. Um, you know, uh, how's the show been for you? Um, uh, you know, there are lots of things that have been going on. But, you know, first and foremost, how, how's the show been for you? The show's been good. You know, you never, I mean, you always hope it'll be a good show. But right. until it actually, you know, launches and leaves the nest, you don't right. know. Right. Um, you know, we start planning. I literally walked over from here um, just for this meeting. I was two doors down having a meeting about E3 2017. So like that's that's how much of planning is. It, it right. does. There's not even a gap. There's not even a day. <laughs> they were overlapping and doing and planning already and just you know preliminary. But so you know it's a full year that gets us to this point. And so you know once these it starts, you see the doors open. You see the guys, people just streaming through the doors, and and you hear the noise and the enthusiasm. You're like, yeah, it's on right. again. And it feels great every time. People have smiles on their faces. You see a lot of. Familiar faces, people you you don't get to see during the year generally. Um, the booze look amazing. You know, you see the creativities on display. Right. So this is one place that I feel really good about it. That the last time I had like a meal that had a fork or a knife involved <laughs> was uh, probably Sunday, right. uh, because all it is is grabbing a granola bar right. and you know we're sitting in a office right now overlooking the show, the West Hall of the show, and I have a little office to the side. And in there is a little mini fridge, and in that mini fridge is just a lot of Red Bull. Right. And so yes. that's, 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 so it's a bowl of granola bars and a fridge full of Red Bull. Um, but uh, you know, it's a true gaming lifestyle. The yeah, only it thing is. you're missing it is. are Doritos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's some around here. I'm probably guarantee there's some. But um, so, but this week is good. It's uh, it, it feels great. I think there's some really cool games that have been announced. Right. You know, there's some been some nice surprises or. Rumors confirmed about some new tech. You right. know, the virtual reality stuff is here in a big way. And yes. We had 27 exhibitors last year using virtual reality. We got 53 this year, wow. so that's a wow. doubling Double. of that. 
uh, the mobile gaming space. Yeah. We've seen a huge increase in the number of exhibitors there. Um, so, you know, it's it's bummer. I think we have over 60 new exhibitors this year. So, wow. you, you wow. know, E3's on fire. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and so it feels good. I mean, it, you know, it feels really good when you, it's Thursday afternoon and you're, you're you, it looks like you're going to get to the finish line. And I think <laughs> we're going to get to the finish line again. So, yeah, there was a press release released this morning that said that there were over 70,000 people um, that attended E3 this year. No, I think that's E3 plus the E3 live experience. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. 50,000 here at E3, and then uh, another 20,000 at E3 live. Yep. Uh, so this was your first year at E3 live, doing mm. doing E3 live. Um, I, what, what did you get, What did you guys think? What was kind of the feedback on E3 live? Uh, what, what do you think? What do you think? You think it's going to be something that that will continue in the future? We're still kind of rolling that up. I mean, anecdotally. Sure. Uh, you know, talking to folks, it seemed like there's a real good responsiveness to it. Right. Following on social media, it seems like people who got to be a part of it were happy to be a part of it. And right. again, this is the first time we've tried this, and E3 Live being this sort of full consumer experience, which is in a space that's adjacent to the Los Angeles Convention Center where we're sitting right now. So, you know, because E3 isn't a consumer show. Right. Uh, it's a show designed really to help conduct a lot of the, the business unveiling of games and, right. and, and new innovations. And, and we put controls on the, the number of folks who come in here. It's capped right around 50,000 people so that people can move and play the games. Right. Uh, but there we knew and we were hearing from consumers and hearing from exhibitors alike that there's a real appetite for consumers to be closer to the action and closer to E3. So we started this thing called E3 Live this year. Um, and, you know, it, it seems like it's got some traction to it but again we're we're worried about 2016 and just beginning the conversations about 2017 to figure out where we go from there but so far pretty positive all right well so the the, the elephant in the room well there i think there's two um the first is uh what's what's already happened for uh 2016 some really really big exhibitors for you guys pulled out uh some very big publishers uh ea mm-hmm. activision um you know didn't show didn't show Nintendo hasn't really shown in in a while um they i mean they have a big presence here um but uh you know they they don't go full full out i guess for you guys it really doesn't matter but but more importantly Activision and EA have pulled out um so and I, from from what i've been hearing from a lot of people is that the south hall looks very different mm-hmm. as a result of, of these guys being gone but you said they're 60 new exhibitors here. Um, is there anything that you guys are doing to probably court those guys, or, or are you changing your strategies? Uh, it's a fair question. I mean, uh, take it two pieces of a time, uh, uh, time there. Well, one piece of a time there, two pieces overall. One is, you know, their Activision EA both made decisions not to be on the show floor in a booth form, but they're very right. much here. Like, yes, they're part that of is the press true. conferences. That is true. Uh, you know, they, their games are high, heavily featured by console makers throughout the week. Right. Uh, so they're very much here, very much being played, very much being getting the benefit and they have of E3. Big, big meeting spaces. And they yeah. have big meeting, big spaces, meeting spaces, so they are yes. participating in E3. Uh, and EA's done in some of this, their EA Play activity, which right. is right next door to the city. You know, yes. E3 is sort of a, the whole thing is an ecosystem. Right. Uh, and E3 is that sun in the middle of that solar system. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes on. There always been, um, you know, folks doing meetings and, and, and demos and uh, parties and press conferences, all these things on the edges of E3. Right. So it's, you know, EA is just trying another approach there. Uh, you know, as far as what we're doing to, to court folks back, 
um, you know, we do what we do every year, which is sort of stop and look at the show, talk to exhibitors, talk to retailers, talk to media, talk to attendees in general, and just see you know, what worked, what didn't, what can be improved, what right. can be lost. How do you shave around the edges to make it smoother here or there? Right. It's all about making each edition better than the one before. And we've right. got a pretty good track record of that. So I'm, I'm optimistic that, you know, we'll be in a spot next year to be very attractive to uh, to the universe of, of game publishers. And, uh, you know, and, and the fact that I said for our 60 folks, 60 exhibitors who weren't here before who came just shows that, right. you know, there's never, we don't have a problem selling the space. It's right. just a matter, we just want you know, as much of our family here as we can. Absolutely. Now, the other elephant in the room, of course, is, uh, you know, the, the buzz every year is, mm-hmm. is this the last E3? Mm-hmm. Is this the last E3? Spoiler alert, already you, you just had a meeting talking about the next E3. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I feel like there is a legitimate reason for E3 to, to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that you feel exactly the same way. I think that, that this is the one place where the, all of the media comes and, right. and checks out all of the games, all of the family. This is the family reunion mm-hmm. as opposed to I the agree. cousins reunion, you know, right. all, over, all over the place. Yes. Um, in your words... Explain, explain to to uh, the Spawn on Me audience in Chicago why why E three is is important to to stay around and you know to be here as it as it is even if it evolves. Yeah, and it, you know it always evolves, but you know it's you know the folks who is every every year I answer that question like you said it right. is like you know the leaves turn colors or the, right. the you know, right. Christmas comes right. and every year something else happens and someone asks this question and, and the people who ask that question most are people who are here every year by the way right. they, they right. are here every year the people who tend not to ask that question are the uh, uh, everyone everywhere else who's following everything that happens here um, we had 50 billion media impressions last year billion with a B that's uh, multiples of how many people are on planet earth uh, right the news that happens here swings around the globe and people gobble it up because they want to know. And there's going to be a need for that. Uh, there was a need for it last year. There's a need for it this year. And there's an appetite need for it next year. And you yes. will be the ones that provide it. Again, yes. 100% sure of that. Yes. Uh, so I guess um, I'm, I'm running down. And we're, we're at the wire. Um, the uh, Some people have suggested uh, a Gamescom model. Mm. Where, or or more importantly, like a TGS model. Mm-hmm. So both of those have kind of been, you know, just let all the fans in. Or TGS, where there's three days of of press, mm-hmm. you know, or a couple of days of press, and then the fans are able to come in. Have you guys thought about doing those things? All I can say is, like, if you saw the planning for E3, you know, it doesn't start with just, like, this E3 and now let's just do this E3. We, it's a whiteboard just wiped clean. And we build it up again. And so okay. the direction it takes and the form it takes and all that is all influenced by the conversation that we'll be having over the days and weeks right. ahead. And I just say stay tuned. Right. Stay right. tuned on that. Right. Uh, I, don't, I, can't, I don't know what the answer is right now. <laughs> I know it'll be great, though. Yeah, well, uh, Rich, um, uh, and I didn't ask this question, sure. but, but I'll ask it anyway. Come on. Um, ESA, you're, you're, you know, your brother. Yeah. Diversity mm-hmm. obviously means a lot. Um, when I introduced myself to you and told you what our show was about, you had the best answer ever. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it must be a short show. And, and <laughs> you know, to our surprise, it isn't. It hasn't been a short show. Um, but what is the ESA doing to 
um, bring diversity, bring diverse voices into both the ESA and and games and computer entertainment as well. Well, we, we're just speaking to it a great deal for starters, and, and you know, making it part of a conversation and right. making sure it's part of the dialogue. And we do things like. Um, through our foundation, ESA Foundation, okay. um, there's scholarships available for oh. women and, and young people of color who want to study game design. I encourage people to check out the ESA Foundation website for information on that. Um, we've got a number of different interesting programs designed to s- sort of help identify and support um, young people of color who have dreams of being in this line of work. Um, one is we do with the um, Hispanic Heritage Foundation. Oh. Um, we call it our LOFT uh, a fellowship program, and uh, what we do is we basically have a challenge to young people of color to design a game or app. We don't put any limitations. Something that matters to you that you care about, and we come back. They come back with designs on games, everything from like a rap battle to how to navigate my local zoo to um, how to find a scholarship money to go through college. You, the, the things they come up with are spectacular and amazing. Um, and we identify 20 of those and bring them to Washington. Uh, we usually meet the member of Congress. We usually uh, have an, any number of members of Congress come and talk directly to them. Uh, we take them to the White House and meet with the tech, tech people at the White House and expose them to that and, and expose the White House people to these amazing young people as well. And, and that's helping to sort of spread more seeds as well. What we're trying to do is just get as many people, um, show people that if they have the their dream, right. their, their paths they can find. And, you know, we also encourage once we help folks for them to then be part of our network to continue right. helping pay the it, next. Pay it forward. Exactly. Pay I think if we keep doing that, you know, if each one reaches back and right. grabs a few more, uh, this conversation will change quicker than we can imagine. That That is great. Um, thank you so much, Rich, for, for sitting down and, and talking with me and, and talking to Bercalgo, talking to Spawn on me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm learning something right now with, with what you guys are doing. Yeah, help, thank you so much, brother. Tell the story for, of that. Yeah, too. thank help you so story. much, brother. For, for everything that you guys are doing. Well, I really, really appreciate we're that. We're going to talk some more. We'll be talking as much as you want to. Keep, let's keep the conversation going. Absolutely. That sounds great. Uh, Rich, why don't you tell people where they can uh, find out information about the ESA Foundation, more information about the ESA, and if they want to contact you. With, with the, just, with I'd just say just Google up the Entertainment Software Association and, and uh, or Entertainment Software Association Foundation, either of those. You can reach the foundation through our website as well. And and, uh, and just explore. There's a lot of information there about um, scholarships, about um, grants. If you're part of, if you have a nonprofit or if you're using technology in an education space, we find ways to try and support that. And uh, in general, what we try and do is uh, help those who are really helping advance this industry in, in positive ways. So take a look at that. Um, there's a lot of great statistics about the industry as well if you want to edu- educate yourself more about that. And, uh, and then there's ways to contact us right there as well, and I encourage people to do just that. Rich Taylor, thank you so much. All right. Rich Taylor, Senior Vice President of ESA Communications. Uh, welcome to Bacargo. You are now a Bacargo resident. Happy to be here. All right. Don't tack. Right. <laughs> Take care, brother. All right. Thank you. That is it for our E3 2016 coverage here at Spawn on Me. I'd like to thank the guys behind Spawn on Me for indulging me in this experiment that we've gone into. Hopefully you, the listener, have enjoyed this and you've enjoyed it enough to either patronize our sponsor Drobo yourself at drobostore.com or send a friend of yours their way with the offer code SOM100, save 100 bucks, and support the show. There are other gaming podcasts that decided you needed three hours a night 
of E3 coverage. But we decided a surgical strike was best. Hopefully you agree with us. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. Let the guys know over social media. You can follow Captain Khalif Adams at Kins on Twitter. Stubby Stan himself, Mr. Cicero Holmes at Stubby Stan. Sharif Jackson, the Minister of No Finance, as always, at Sharif Jackson. You can follow the network at ESNFM. Follow the show at Spawn On Me. Go to spawnon.me for all of the episodes, all the back catalog, and other content as well. Donate to their Patreon. These guys are creating great content, and if that's how you like supporting people, make sure you show them your love. I'm Moises Chuyan, and this has been Spawn on Me's 2016 E3 coverage.